This is Down the Hall Podcast with your hosts, Chet Jobert. It's Black Hawk Down with aliens. What's the problem? Rodney Hart. Oh, definitely would have been Team Jake. Not the vampire. You don't root for a vampire. And if you're lucky, Lyndon Wells. I thought Chet was going to launch into his terrible British accent again. Beer Garden. Beer Garden was pretty spot <laughs> that was on. pretty good. No, he definitely got that. Well, welcome back to another episode of Down the Hall Podcast. I'm Chet, here with Rodney and Lyndon. And every week, we bring you a movie night pick of the week to help you take back movie night because the average person wastes 115 hours every year sifting through Netflix, sifting through Amazon, HBO, all of the options, and just going back to reruns of the same old show. So we're here to give you interesting choices each week. And so, Rodney, usually we ask our listeners and we ask each other what they would do with an extra 115 hours if they had it. Yep. And, uh, and you know, notice you have a new hobby. Uh, and I want to explore that you, you are not really the gamer type, but you have picked up a game recently and it okay, seems to be taking all, up I've been a lot of your for time. The last two weeks and I've probably played this for a solid four hours. Well, I, I'm not here to judge. I just, I would like you to tell our audience what game this is and, and tell us more about it. Cause it does seem interesting enough to take up your time away from watching movies for the sake of the show. <laughs> yeah. So the sh- just, just quickly, Chet yeah. said, I'm not here to judge. But let's let the audience judge you. <laughs> I, I, when he says that, what he means is the opposite. There's a lot of times, there's a certain tone that, that Chet strikes that I realize, like, so whatever you're about to say, you mean the opposite. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the kids would call this game PUBG. Excuse me? Uh, but it's called Player Unknown. I don't know what the rest is. PUBG. Bat- Battleground? Battleground. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I guess the G is ground. Uh, so what it is, is... Uh, <laughs> You get dropped into a world and are you, so you start on a plane. There's a hundred people on like this map and there's a hundred people and everyone's against everyone. You get on a plane, you decide where you're going to get dropped off on this map and you wander around this world and you have to pick up weapons. But basically, basically it's like the hunger games in a video game form. So the real question I have, and I'm sure Lyndon is wondering this too is if the three of us were dropped into a real-life battleground, players unknown PUBG battleground, mm-hmm. uh, do you think you could kill us? Based on this game, what I found is that I'm much better at surviving than I am at killing. Anytime I'm face-to-face with somebody, I get killed. I am not a good shot. I am, I don't have good aim. The only thing that I have found that I'm good at is hiding. So, <laughs> is that how you deal you mean, with conflict in your life too? Yeah. If you mean, uh, could I kill you by I have to survive longer? Like I could hide long enough that you would both starve to death? Yeah, I think so. You'll be oh. in trouble. I play a great game of hide and seek with my kids. I find them every time. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that I hide better than um, you know young children, but. There's a there's a chance there's a chance that I might find a better spot. Well, that's fair. Well, anyway, that's that's our answer for the week. Rodney would spend an extra 115 hours getting better at hiding in Players <laughs> Underground Battleground PUBG World Space. It's um I got to say, it is a pretty fun game. I think it's it's it technically in beta right now. So, I don't know if we can uh get any kind of advertising credit. I don't know if the, they're looking for a sponsor, but um Well, I know for sure I didn't say the name right. <laughs> but if they're looking for a really poor player to be the sponsor of their game, sign me up. 
All right, so we have a movie night pick for you tonight and also one to avoid. And we will also go into the topic of who would you choose from all the fantasy movies and shows, I believe, in cinematic history. Of all those characters, who would you choose as your police partner, your non-superhero. buddy Non-superhero. Non-superhero. Rodney's stressing it's non-superhero. So we'll get into that. We asked you, the listeners, to chime in, and we got some responses. So are you guys ready to go? Ready. Born ready. Well, I don't know how you get a podcast, but you should look into it. Yes, of course. It's down the hall. Because I'm psyched. And here we go. All right, so the movie that we're talking about uh, came out in 2017. It's called Bright. It is nearly two hours long. Um, it's an action crime fantasy movie. I know, shocking. I would be recommending a fantasy movie. You can find it on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, and it features Will Smith, Joel Edgerton, and Numi Rapace. And um, the director of this movie is David Ayer, who also did Suicide Squad, Fury, and End of Watch. So other good movies on that list. Um, but Chet, why don't you give us a little bit more detail about this crime fantasy movie? Yeah, I think it's a stretch to call Suicide Squad a good movie, but it was directed by the same director, yes. Uh, this this movie, Bright, I'm sure if you've been watching football games recently or if you've been on Netflix, you've definitely seen this promoted. Uh, Will Smith and Joel Edgerton as kind of the buddy cops. Uh, what this essentially is is a you know picture modern-day L.A., but in like an alternate reality where elves and orcs and fairies have existed alongside humanity for thousands of years you know lord of the rings set in la so what we uh what we see is is will smith and joe egerton as as police partners and they're on their their basic detail you know their routine and they get thrust into this this prophecy this story about a wand and you know the people who can operate the wand are called brights and you know people have it's been thousands of years since these prophecies were relevant so some people don't believe in them anymore but all to say it's it's exactly like a lord of the rings story thrust into modern day los angeles and i think the reason we're choosing it as a movie night pick and i want to be careful what i can and cannot say and i trust that uh, these guys will fill in where i left off but what what it is is this really fascinating story done in an extremely creative way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the the best thing about this recommendation is what Rodney said. He's not a big fan of fantasy films, but yet he still enjoyed this. And I think the the gritty modern setting against this fantasy backdrop, well, like you said, takes a while to get used to, but it really throws you in. And it's the whole film set, set over quite a short time period. And uh, the... Joel Egerton, who's the um, the first orc policeman, he's very awkward and naive, which makes quite a good balance against Will Smith, who's kind of gruff and not not that likable in a lot of the film. And like something happens with a bit of magic, and they're they're thrown together in a lot of big uh, big situations, kind of ordinary people thrown into an extraordinary situation. To me, I feel like the fact that it's based in L.A. with you know a human cop as well makes somehow it's just all more palatable i feel like you know if the second that this were like in some foreign world or something that that felt less familiar to me then i probably would have just tuned it out right away um but i feel like that you know centers it in a in a really good way but what i would also add is i feel like almost like will smith's performance reminds me a lot of uh men in black too that there's something about will smith yeah. in this movie and then his partnership with with joel egerton who they, you know they're not they're not really similar in any way, but at the same time, they're kind of these like good friends or like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like good, bad friends, you know, where they're like, uh, there's a good uh, relationship there 
that balances or or that makes the, the the movie enjoyable as you go through it. Yeah, so it's, it's a really good relationship between the two of them. And at one point, um, uh, Will Smith even says to Joe Egerton, he's like, you even man- managed to make a gunfight awkward. I was just about to reference that. It's yeah. he, there's, a, there's a line, and maybe I'll just play it instead. You all right? Uh, yeah. No holes? Uh, uh, play the ones that I was born with. How are your holes? You make a shootout awkward. Their their relationship, I thought, really drove the humor. Not that it's yeah. a comedy, but there's certainly comedy within this movie, and I, it's based through through their relationship. Another another line I loved was when uh, he says he says to Will Smith, "Like we're in a prophecy." I think we might be in a prophecy. We're not in a prophecy. How do you know? All right, we're in a stolen Toyota Corolla. Okay, look at my face. All right. This is not a prophecy face. This is a bad night face. And Will Smith responds, okay. "We're not in a prophecy. We're in a stolen Toyota Corolla." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good line as well. Yeah. They, yeah that kind of sets the tone for the whole film. Yeah. No. There's a lot of good. I don't know. Will Smith humor. I guess is what I'd call it. But there's a. Yeah. There's. A, there's. I don't know. There's a good balance throughout it. I feel like for for people who might not normally be drawn to fantasy movies, uh, and there there is a good cast of characters around them. Numi Rapace as the appears as the main villain. She's a bat, maybe a bit underused, but she's really threatening when she's on the screen. So also, I would say, guys, this is uh, as I brought to turn things over to, to Rodney to look at the the IMDb scores and the Rotten Tomato score. Um, you know, I think that. Typically, we, we shoot for movies that not only do we enjoy, but that have a higher score of both IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and also, I, I really don't feel like this type of movie is one that we would typically tend to recommend, not just because of, of what we're about to get into, but also we haven't done a lot of action movies, fantasy movies, sci-fi movies. Um, and, and this is all of those things. And so I really can't stress enough, like if you're a fan of the show and you've trusted the recommendations – Go out of your way to see this one, despite what we're about to get into, and Rodney's going to tell us what the scores are. I feel responsible for not having recommended a lot of fantasy movies, but um, you know, I think what what makes this movie recommendation pretty interesting is that it it probably has one of the greatest disparities um, between the IMDb score, kind of the fan score, and the critic score. Um, like you said, we we typically find ones that are relatively high on both, um, but particularly ones that we feel good about. Uh, but in this case. We're talking about a movie that has an IMDb score of 6.6. Um, should we go around and say what our IMDb scores were? Lyndon, you want to start? Yeah, mine would be 7. Okay. Like a, a low 7. It's like just about 7. It had a potential to be a lot more, and I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's a good 7. Yeah. Chet? I gave it a, a low 8. Okay. Just just because of, I gave points to um, I gave points to the creativity shown of having kind of the, the fantasy world put in LA. Yeah. And I gave it a seven as well. Uh, but for me, for this category movie, it's, it was one that I, I liked a lot more than I thought I would. Um, so, so that was the fan score. However, on the other hand, we have the critic score. Hate, 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 double hate. Loathe entirely. I like you a lot. All right, so the Rotten Tomato score, which I've explained uh, countless times, more times than I've explained <laughs> probably anything in my life, uh, is a 26%. So needless to say, it's probably the lowest that's ever been on this Oh yeah, this uh, this podcast. Oh my gosh, by, um, by a long shot. So this means mm-hmm. that 
74% of critics did not think that this was even uh, an average movie. Um, so with that, Lyndon, why don't we get into what the uh, best and worst review is? Uh, so we'll start low so we can build up. Mm-hmm. The worst review comes from IndieWire, and it says, From the director of Suicide Squad and writer of Victor Frankenstein comes a fresh slice of hell that somehow represents... <laughs> 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 that somehow represents new lows for them both. A dull and painfully derivative ordeal that often feels like it was made just to put those earlier misfires into perspective. <laughs> so saying that this movie serves only the purpose of making the other ones not look so bad? I hate yeah. bad reviews like that, though, because it's like... all right, just it's not really you... reviewing this film. Yeah, it just feels like, just because you're saying something that's clever, like, I don't care if you got on a podcast oh. and said, like, it's a fresh slice of hell, but I just feel like it's part of your <laughs> review... Like the idea of saying that it just feels like it was put, it was, it was made to put the other two bad movies in perspective makes me think, well, obviously that's not what happened. So why don't you give me something? Like if you're going to come up with something else, like why don't you say something specifically about the movie? I'm sorry, but how bad does your day have to be going or how, how much do you have to hate a movie to call it a fresh slice of hell? <laughs> what? I, Those are like, that's a really, that's a really severe thing to be saying. That's that's what I would probably say about another having to watch an Avengers movie. If I had if I had to like watch them all back to back to back, I'd be like, oh god, here comes the next slice of hell. So what was the uh, best review? <laughs> there wasn't one. That's the punchline. <laughs> that that was the best. Yeah. The the best review comes from Variety. Bright is the best Netflix original movie to date, and it absolutely deserves to be seen on the big screen. Though don't let that stop you from watching it at home. An intense grown-up movie, grown-up movie niche that Hollywood once did so well, but has since replaced with formula-driven product. Quick, quick thing on here. Uh, it says an intense grown-up movie niche that Hollywood once did so well. What, what do you think that they're saying? Like a, like a buddy cop type movie? What do you guys think that that means that Hollywood used to do so well? I think it's buddy cops. They're suggesting yeah. because when was the last decent buddy cop film we had? Yeah, now, now that you mention it, I think buddy cop movies used to be huge, like in the 80s yeah. and, and even the 90s, right? And I feel 2000, like, right? Training Day, was that 2000? No, Training End Day. And Watch was 2000. I don't know that they were buddies in Training Day. Yeah, right. They were a bit more intense, weren't they? Yeah. Thinking more like lethal weapons. Yeah, more bad like, boys, oh, yeah, it has more like a hours. fun sense to it. Even Men in Black, kind of. Yeah, Men yeah. in Black, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a little different. Um, that's true. I guess I hadn't, that's a good question, Rodney, because I, I didn't think about what they were potentially saying there, but I do think probably buddy cop movies. All right, so surprisingly, I'm glad that we were able to find a a positive review, despite the fact that there were so few. Um, (laughs) But I think what's interesting about this, and you know, maybe what makes this really interesting recommendation is that it's a really low 26% Rotten Tomato score, but the Rotten Tomatoes audience score, which is not something we talk about a lot, but basically what you know fans on Rotten Tomatoes would say, they they give it an 89%. So there's a huge disparity between what uh critics and the audience are saying so i believe Lyndon, you have gone out of your way to find a list of examples of the biggest movies that audiences love that critics hated yeah so i think um the difference between audience and critics here is huge it's like 60 percent uh well and, and most uh recent another example of the big difference would be uh as we mentioned on the last podcast star wars the last jedi where the critics are giving it 93% and um, audiences are, what, 52% at the minute? So mm. that's quite a big difference. Yeah, I, I can't speak to that one. 
Either or. <laughs> <laughs> but I have also found a list on Screen Rant where it's looked at some of the biggest differences. Uh, so I'll tell you, I've, I've selected a couple. I'll tell you a couple. So do you remember the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp? I, I, do I actually that. never saw it, yeah. Well, yeah, you're a better human for it. <laughs> but the critical reviews had that at 83% Ooh. and an audience of 51%. So a difference of 30% there. See, I was told there'd be no math on this podcast. But <laughs> What else have we got? Tom Cruise film, War of the Worlds, from oh. 2005 as well. Oh, yeah. Wait, and critics yeah. loved it, but people didn't love that? I love that movie. Yeah, yeah I like that movie, but critics had 74%. Ooh. Audience at 42%. Oh. You know what? The, peop- yeah. the people who didn't like that movie, I remembered them complaining the most was the storyline. And I wanted to tell them, well, you know that this is based on a book, right? The way it ended, they were upset about. It's like, well, the movie was just an adaptation of the story that was already written by H.G. Wells. Yeah, who's H.G. Wells? Good point. <laughs> okay, I'll give you some of the biggest differences. Um, 2001 Spy Kids. Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I loved that movie back in the day. <laughs> well, you know, it's tied to the machete. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't say it. Don't say what you want to say. Danny Trejo, the machete universe. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the universe of anything. Just like, wait, what did Will Smith mention something in Bright that I that I try to comically say? Oh, does that mean that their universes are connected? I don't know. I, I forget what he said. You're leaning too close to me. I think our universes are touching. <laughs> so the critics love Spy Kids, uh, 93%. Ooh. The audience only gave it 46%. Oh. Danny Trejo. I blame Danny Trejo. <laughs> and uh, a big film from last year. I don't know if you saw this. It was a big horror film hit with the uh, critics called The Witch. Oh, actually, I, I did. I saw this in London. I'm going to agree with this. I could not understand why anybody considered this a great movie. It's it's horrendous. I totally agree. And it's got that weird goat as well. I don't know what's going on. And the critics loved it. 90%. Ooh. Audience. 54%, which I think is generous. Yeah, even uh, that, I agree with you. It's I watched it very excited because I thought like, oh, wow, this this seems to have a good feel to it for a horror movie. I watched it, you know, a couple weeks ago. And boy, was it disappointing. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's uh, a nice summary of the list of where sometimes critics overrate some films. Mm-hmm. But the opposite to Bright. Yeah. Lyndon, great list, as always. He always brings those lists and just dominates the episode in such a good way. <laughs> He's famous for lists. He is famous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so, um, you know, when when this show first began, uh, people might have described you and I as, as buddy cops, Rodney. And the, uh, the topic for tonight... I call Will Smith. Is, uh, <laughs> you can have Will Smith. I'll take Will Smith. <laughs> Uh, is who would you choose as your partner, your police partner, your buddy cop? Uh, but it has to be a fantasy character. So, you know, and Rodney specified no superheroes. No so. superheroes. We don't want a dumb superhero. I know everyone's like, Thor, I want Thor's hammer. Get out of here. <laughs> Wait, how, in what voice do they say that? They, I want Thor. <laughs> that's like, that's like the, the drowning man asks the, for Thor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the voice of what uh, should be the only people watching those movies, which is children. An excited <laughs> ch- child. Thor, I want Thor. No adults. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's now the voice of like a 37-year-old man. Have you okay. you haven't seen the latest Thor yet, have you? No. How many are there? <laughs> I'm willing to bet you will like that film. I agree. It's Taika Waititi directed it. Yeah. 
and it's hilarious. So long as I, I don't have to, like, like rationalize whose power is more powerful, then I'll be fine. No one ever asks you to do that. <laughs> I promise you. Take the weight off your shoulders. And just enjoy it for what it is. I'm so sick of being asked to weight all of their powers and figure out who will win. <laughs> so, uh, Lyndon, why don't you lead us off? What would be your – or who would be your your buddy cop uh, from from all the fantasy movies in cinema history? So I'm going for a, a childhood favorite. A character from uh, the fancy films of the 80s, The Never-Ending Story. And I'm choosing the luck dragon, Falcor. He's a luck dragon. He's, you're going to get lots of luck. He, he can fly. He's basically a massive dog. <laughs> and and when, he, when he flies, sometimes he just has a nap, but he's fine. He likes sleeping. That works for me. It's, it's what's not to like. Now, are you responsible for, like, picking up its poop, though? No, I'm just curious. No, he's I never a, actually he's watched a luck the movies. Dragon. He always poops just into a bin. Yeah, <laughs> or he poops rainbows. He doesn't poop yeah. anything that needs to be cleaned up. You know what? Exactly. When you first said that, I I forgot. Like I didn't know who you were saying until the thing that threw me is I always thought he was just a big dog as a kid. I didn't realize that he was called a dragon. <laughs> I feel like I feel like whoever came up with that character Dude, are there they, are there dogs <laughs> with wings in Paraguay? <laughs> I'm just thinking. He doesn't have wings. No, he's just oh, a he doesn't? dog. I've never he's seen the movie. He's, just a, he's, he's basically got the, a massive head of a dog and kind of, kind of a long, like furry, but almost snake-like body. I don't know. I it's mean, a luck dragon. You guys just described to me what sounds like a sperm. <laughs> All right, so let's see what the listener said. Um, I actually noticed a trend amongst the listener answers. Uh, so the first one comes from good old Craig in good old DC. Although I think he's outside of DC. I think he's in Maryland, but. Uh, Craig calling says, him out. Um, all right, so Craig says Alan Quatermain, Quaterman from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, played by uh, Sean Connery, and he said that as much as that movie gets hate- hated on, he thinks that he would be a great buddy cop. I've never seen it. I wish I had though. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, Matt, that's good choice. Good choice. Okay, so that's good. So that's good. one for one, I guess. Uh, Matt from Checked Out in Jersey. He uh, he says The Leprechaun from Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is a very old movie, also starring Sean Connery. It's Matt just picked someone smaller than him, so if it comes down to it, he could beat him up. Yeah, that's what I think. Him. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he picked someone that he would be the bully cop, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, Justin, so uh, Zenger from, from Virginia, he says Draco from Dragonheart also voiced by Sean Connery. So the three answers that we first got, uh, played by Sean Connery, co-starred alongside Sean Connery, voiced by Sean Connery. What is happening? <laughs> and then uh, Wyatt from Cleveland bucks the trend, goes uh, non-Sean Connery answer. He says Korg from none other than Thor 3, which we were just talking about. Korg is the character that was voiced by Taika Waititi. Yeah. So I think his reasoning was it would bring some, you know, comedic relief throughout your, your adventures. Mm. Don't nod along. We already established you don't know. Sean Connery. <laughs> I was hoping that the last one would just be Sean Connery. So my, my answer, I think, would be Aslan from from Narnia, right? That's 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 got to be, like, yeah. that's got to give you something. Right? Wait, I feel like he, you could ride him if you needed God, to. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that, feels, exactly. that feels like a cheap pick. Uh, okay, all right, fine. Uh, what's the what's the like like swashbuckling like mouse ratatat? Is that his name? 
from Narnia. From Narnia. No, not Numi What is his name? He was voiced by Eddie Izzard. Reaper Cheap. Oh. Oh, yeah. Gift receipt. My dad, <laughs> that was always like a favorite of my dad growing up when he'd say, Reapy Cheap. Reapy Cheap? So him. You, you much like Matt, want somebody that you could bully. you pick a mouse. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You don't know Reapy Cheap. He would, he would swindle, he would carve you up and you'd have your clothes falling off you so fast. He could, I couldn't beat him up. I, he, why is he, why is he getting your clothes off? What, <laughs> what kind of buddy yeah, cops are you? He, he, you guys clearly haven't the watched fantasy. the same version. Of <laughs> he, apparently, clothes coming off. Um, my my <laughs> fantasy buddy cop would be Gimli, despite despite being smaller <laughs> than me. I am am under no pretense that I could beat him up. But I also think that uh, he'd probably make fun of me mostly. But I think he'd have uh, he'd provide good comic relief throughout our. Uh, the the movie and our buddy cop relationship things to consider would you have to buy him a booster seat to ride alongside you in your cop car he wouldn't ride in a booster seat he chopped me with his axe if i gave him a booster seat <laughs> sounds like you guys have a very fragile relationship yeah just like every good buddy cop relationship <laughs> i need to correct myself reaper cheap was voiced by simon Pegg. that's okay wait that, who I did you say that. sean connery <laughs> 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 sean connery all right speaking of Sean Connery voices. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> I must have missed that episode of Jeopardy. <laughs> we, um... We thought of a new segment for Down the Hall. Uh, you know, what would really boost the show, what would really help the show, would be uh, if you, the listeners, who have expressed such such kind things to us on a weekly basis, uh, you, you interact with us in such a way that makes it fun for us, and we love that, but we might love it even more if you did so in the version of an iTunes review. But to not sound overly self-aggrandizing, we thought the best way to ask you for that would be to ask Rodney to do so in a character voice of the week. And so this week, that, Lyndon... Again, that I have no idea. <laughs> uh, before I disappoint every listener, I have no idea what character y- either of you is going to suggest. And I don't even know that I'll know the character. Well, And in your, um, in your five-star reviews... Obviously, five star. If you um, uh, suggest a voice for Rodney, we'll definitely include that as well. Absolutely. Uh, Rodney, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to step aside and uh, so we can make room for Sean Connery to enter the room to read this uh, <laughs> to read this for us right now. If you enjoy the show. Uh, wait, what's this? The sense voice? All I can think of is the Saturday Night Live skit where Sean Connery is on it. If you enjoy the show and think we're fun, please go. <laughs> Please go and give us an i ratings on iTunes, which I don't know what it is. We will love you forever, or at least until Rodney forgets it happened. You didn't do the one thing that everyone knows well, about Sean Connery. Suck it, Trebek. What was that? I don't. Oh no! I w- this is a terrible segment idea. Who oh, came up with it? I, think- I would say. That was a five-star voice. Oh, gosh. I, this is... <laughs> oh, well Wait, done. Wait, what should it have been? If you enjoyed the show. <laughs> keep, keep trying. Keep trying. Say, say, um, if you enjoy say the whole. Bond, James Bond. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> oh, man. You guys uh, don't know the suck at Trebek? 
No, I must have missed that. What is that? Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> you can't just keep <laughs> oh, saying it. Oh, now I know you said it again. Yes. Oh, uh, man. All right, well, goodbye, Sean. Thank you for dropping by. Uh, Rodney, you can step back in as we progress with the show. Uh, we do also not only give you uh, a movie of the week, but we also provide you with a movie to avoid. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. And that movie to avoid, sticking with the, uh, the festive theme, is Office Christmas Party, where the film from 2016 starring Jason Bateman, uh, Jennifer Anderson. It looks like the trailer sells it as a, Nice office party, getting out of control, and it looks like it could be quite funny. Spoiler, it isn't. So wait, so this is a great one to say to avoid because I feel like it's there's so much about it that would would probably make people want to go see it, the, the cast alone, right? So can you tell me so why? It's Jason Bateman, Olivia Munn, TJ Miller, Jennifer Anderson, uh, Kate McKinnon, who's on Saturday Night Live a lot, isn't she? Uh, and lots of other people. And it... It starts off the first. There's one or two chuckles, or maybe not chuckles even titters, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what exciting! A- <laughs> that was why I wanted to see it. It hurts me to say it, but it's a film with Jason Bateman, and I don't like. Yeah, man, I feel like he's worth watching. There is a 100% chance Rodney watches that tonight. Just, just <laughs> out of your stubbornness. All right, gents. Well, at this. This part of the show, what we want to do is give our listeners a fair warning that we're going to get into the uh, the detail section uh, where we discuss our favorite scenes from Bright, and that tends to be a bit spoily. And so if you're intending to go watch Bright, why don't you jump off now and come back and finish the episode later? But before you do that, we want to bring your attention to two things, one being that you can now uh, go to Facebook and uh, follow the show there where we can you know, have you participate in all of the topical discussions. It's actually a much better vehicle for us to keep track of all of those and, and, and read them on the show. Um, if you're already following us on Twitter, you can just go ahead and continue with that if that's what you prefer. But we are on Facebook now as well. And Rodney, why don't you tell us about our friends down in Jersey? Uh, so, uh, you can also hear us on Checked Out in Jersey, uh, which is a show run by Matt and Pete. Uh, they do a very Howard Stern-esque show, I would say, where we hop on and give our movie pick of the week. And typically, we, we also like to see if they liked our movie pick. So, um, so you can catch us on Thursdays at 8 p.m., or you can also download the show as a podcast, where you can just fast forward to our parts, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on we've mentioned we've got a nice shiny new facebook page uh and we've obviously twitter as well but i think uh chet's most popular ever tweet you didn't send from down the hall podcast did you chet i i made the the mistake like a like a chump like a rookie to send out a clever tweet from my own twitter account like a selfish non-good host of Down the Hall podcast when I very easily could have just sent it out from the show's podcast. What ended up happening was it got over 60,000 impressions, like 1,800 or so likes, 585 retweets and counting. This was five days ago and there's still like notifications that pop up. And it was just simply uh, a a tweet about the movie, um, The Greatest Showman. It said, 2006 high school musical, Zac Efron defies his parents to pursue his love for the arts, meets a girl, musical numbers ensue. 2017, The Greatest Showman, Zac Efron defies his parents to pursue his love for the arts, meets a girl, musical numbers ensue. 
I tweeted it out, didn't think much of it, and then like literally had to turn notifications off on Twitter on my phone because it was draining my battery. And I should have, <laughs> stupid, just done it from down the hall. Anything movie related should have just been from from the show. Sorry, guys, I let you down. He's a he's a glory hog. He's a glory hog. I think he was on purpose. Mm. I think he he saw into yeah. the future, saw that it was going to be a popular tweet, and said, "I choose. I don't want to share this. No, I need this. I need this to be from me." I told you not to give details. Yeah, well, you're the one who gave me the details. All right. So speaking of details, and uh, and I feel like in this movie there's kind of a lot to spoil. Uh, but guys, what was your favorite scene from Bright? Okay, so my one of my favorite scenes, we've discussed some already earlier in the podcast, but I really like the opening sequence. It doesn't give you any uh, any writing or background at the beginning of the film. It just has this musical sequence where um, you just see lots of graffiti about orcs, a, a dark lord, about elves. You see some graffiti about fairies being vermin, and it kind of just throws you straight into this world, and it's a nice way of opening the film. I like that one. I'm going to pick the the scene that I feel like kind of kicks off the the whole chase or the whole real conflict of the movie, um, which was the scene where Will Smith kind of comes out after having talked with his like fellow human cops, and basically they're they want to frame uh, Joel Edgerton's character, and he walks out and realizes that that he's innocent, and so Will Smith decides to shoot every single one of his human cops. Uh, so colleagues um which is pretty dramatic really because when you think about it like it was a pretty dramatic scene to kind of kick off the the whole movie um and yeah i don't know i felt like that that scene really set the tone to me for for the whole movie yeah that was mine too because it was like that at that point there was no turning back Mm -hmm. like at that point because even the way he first walks out and he he feels almost like backed into a corner where he has to cooperate with his colleagues who want to uh, you know, basically double cross Joel Edgerton's character. And, and the way it's done is he's, he's got his back to the cops and he like has Joel Edgerton tell him like who is in what order and then turns and spins and fires on all four of them. I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. And not just yeah. from an action sequence, but from like a, like a huge switch in the story to where now it's like, okay, now they both are on the run. They have this wand, they have this girl, like they're thrust into this bigger story and there's really no going back at that yeah. point. You know, what's the one complaint I have about that scene is like from my experience in the game PUBG, <laughs> I feel like before I even get a chance to turn around, I get shot in the back of the head. So I'm just curious how he had time to turn around and shoot all of them. It's a good question. So if this if this becomes a, a series of movies, are you guys in? I'd watch another one. I'd watch another one. Yeah, I think another one could easily go either way to get me more interested or could make me want get bored of it very yeah quickly I, well. I feel like they'd get into the origin story and you'd at which point i'd say see ya now do you think that the <laughs> yeah. sequel will most likely be called brighter i think that it would call oh. the brightest no that would be the trilogy <laughs> the third installment that would be the final the the finale mm-hmm. bright brighter brightest <laughs> <laughs> brilliant all right so guys another movie night pick another one to avoid and uh and hopefully um, some time spent or some time saved so that you guys don't have to waste it looking for a movie to watch. Is it time for us to update the stat? We're about to come into a new year. I mean, I want to know like what dent did we make? Uh, now are people spending like collectively is human society spending 114 hours? Like what? <laughs> Just in general? I, I want to know what difference we're making. If I can't measure the impact, then I mean, why are we doing this? There's right? some data out there for sure. And I think it's, it's measurable. 
but uh, but far beyond anything I can do to to really give you that answer. So we'll just have to trust and hope that what people are telling us is true and that we're saving movie night for some people. Taking back movie night one household at a time. Um, and for those of you who care, you can follow us on Twitter at Down the Hall Guys, where you'll find all three of our bios. You can also, like we said, go to Facebook and follow us there. Um, but uh, what we love to have people do is go to downthehallpodcast.com, scroll down and recommend a movie for us, which, by the way, guys, we have to watch Ivy's pick, which was Deepwater Horizon. So we need to get on that. We, I've been we looking made for a promise. Yeah. I've been looking for it. Uh, have you ever seen that, Deepwater Horizon? It's on my watch list on Netflix. I've got it on Netflix over here. Oh, okay. Well, they... so I haven't watched it yet, but I will for, just for Ivy. Just for Ivy. All right, I'll Has- put it up. Hashtag just for Ivy. All right, guys, unless I'm forgetting anything, that's Rodney and Lyndon, and I'm Chet, and we will see you next week. <laughs>